Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined by Dave Somerville. Good evening. Good evening, Dave. And by Jake McGee. Good evening. Hello. Gentlemen, how are we doing? I understand there's a couple of luggies doing the rounds here. Is this correct? Okay, we've both got, I think, uh, a version of the plague, <laughs> like various versions of the plague me and Jake. So, uh, yeah, it's got to be a coughing fest uh, oh. rather than a touchdown fest. Oh, my word, that's shocking. Um, wild card. Oh, sorry, I keep saying wild card weekend. Super wild card weekend. Done. Yeah, above, above average wild card weekend, I think. Super can, wild card <laughs> weekend, that's what it is. Uh, it's done. Six games played. We have our six winners. We're going into the divisional uh, rounds to play the um, each other and, of course, the number one seeds who were Baltimore and San Francisco in the AFC and NFC, respectively. Um, we're going to jump straight into it, guys. And we're starting the Saturday game at NRG Stadium between the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. Um, and I'm not sure how to sort of introduce this game because all I can say is that the 71,946 fans who packed into NRG Stadium to watch this probably didn't expect the Houston Texans to absolutely obliterate the Cleveland Browns 45 to 14, helped by um, back to back, back to back pick sixes by Joe Flacco. 45 to 14. Jake, I know you want to talk about this because you're that Houston Texans guy, and I get it. My word, this was impressive, wasn't it? It was. And we're talking about Super Wildcard Weekend, well, the average margin of victory was 17 points. So I'm not sure how super the, the games were, really. Um, but it certainly started uh, as it meant to, to go on. Uh, personally, I feel like Miles Garrett was practically nullified by Laramie Tunsil. Um, the Browns, we've, we've spoken all year about how good their defense is at home, but they've actually allowed the most yards away from home. Um, the lights were not too bright in terms of CJ Shroud or the offensive coordinator Bobby Slowak, uh, who will certainly be getting head coaching interviews, I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, we, uh, another thing we touched on before the season even began was that the fact that the Texans traded their own draft pick to Arizona and held on to the Browns, yeah. um, which at the time everyone was a bit dubious about. Well, it turns out was a pretty genius move because the Browns are obviously going to have a, a better draft pick than the Texans now. Um, the real test, um, and I'm sure you know, this was a test coming up against Cleveland, of course. but the real test now is, is next week. Uh, they are the only franchise to never win a road playoff game and by default never reach the conference. Mm. So, you know, what a great season they've had. What a great game this was. Uh, I mean, like you mentioned, the back-to-back pick sixes. Uh, Brevin Jordan, 76-yard touchdown, which was the longest in Texans playoff history. I mean, there were some exceptional throws. There were some not-so-exceptional throws. Um, and, you know, this game was pretty much done by, by the fourth quarter. Three minutes into the fourth quarter, it then just became a procession uh, after Singletary's touchdown. Davis Mills came in and, you know, that, that was all she wrote. So pretty ideal for, for the Texans. Um, obviously, going forward, um, a very, very big task ahead. Yeah, they've got a monumental game coming up uh, in Baltimore. That's going to be absolutely 
that's going to be so difficult for the Texans to try and win that game. Um, Dave, Jake already mentioned, we've been talking about the Browns' defense, uh, Miles Garrett, and he was a complete non-factor in this game. Um, Tunsell took him just right out of the game. But what can you say about this Texans' offense? It's just... I mean, we know that the Tank Dell obviously went down injured during the season. Uh-huh. Their, their top receiver's gone down. They have not missed a beat, and CJ Stroud was practically flawless in this game. Yeah, absolutely was. Um, I, I mean, there's there's not a whole lot else to say about it. Uh, I mean, uh, even you know they 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 didn't need to run the ball really. Um, the Browns could get nothing done on. Uh, their offense, especially in the run game, they kept handing it to Flacco, but I think they were forced to uh, because of the scoring of the Texans and, of course, Flacco's awful throws, I suppose, as well. But um, they look, the Texans were mixing it up so well, and then that offensive line, I'd, I'd make the case that they're one of the best in the league right now, and they're giving CJ Stroud every single opportunity. Uh, I mean, when he made he made that big throw. Um, or you know, it was it was I uh, uh what no he he made he made a really important throw for uh, to Nico Collins um I think it was either in the first quarter or the second early in the second quarter one of the two I think it was first quarter um and yeah I just thought you know what that's just a quarterback full of confidence full of confidence and conviction and then after that they just took off and then the very next drive. Was it not the very first play of that drive he threw for the 75-76 yarder uh, touchdown, which was just immense. So um, they've got something really going there. D'Amico Ryans has come in, done incredible. Um, and they made uh, Joe Flacco look absolutely amateur, uh, which obviously is not the hardest thing in the world to do. But, uh, you well, know, you would expect past, more. <laughs> over the past six weeks, it has been a difficult thing to do because Flacco's looked it's, really good. And this mm-hmm. is the Flacco, I think, that we all expected to see, throwing pick yeah, sixes true. and and just you know he looked so uncomfortable in the pocket. Um, but aside from aside from the the pick sixes though, he didn't look that bad when he wasn't under huge amounts of pressure. He he, he looked he looks pretty good, but as soon as there was pressure from the Texans, oh, it was panic stations and panic station on the, on the offensive line. Um, the kind of the receivers were kind of, kind of coming out of their routes because they kind of anticipated themselves what was happening or what was going to happen. Flacco was just flapping; he was more flapping Flacco than anything else. Um, and I, I mean, it it shows that when uh, Davis Mills gets brought in to give CJ Stroud a rest and prepare him for the next game, just how comfortable they were in the end. So, massive congratulations to them. Uh, and you know, Nico Collins, who to me has been one of the players of the year. Uh, across the league, um, again, putting an, another 90, 96 yards and a touchdown uh, from six receptions. So congratulations to the Texans. Yeah, absolutely. Just a couple of things from the box score here. Joe Flacco was 34 of 46, 307 yards, one touchdown, those two picks, which of course are both pick sixes. Rushing the ball, leading rusher was Kareem Hunt, eight for 26 yards and a touchdown. Leading receiver was David Njoku at seven, ca- oh, sorry, I beg your pardon, it was actually David Bell, who had eight catches for 54, but David Njoku had seven for 93. Um, on the other side, CJ Stroud, 16 of 21, 274 yards, three touchdowns rating of 157.2 
talk about that later. Uh, and uh, the leading receiver is Nico mm-hmm. Collins, as you mentioned, Dave, six for 96 and a touchdown. But Bre- Brevin Jordan and Dalton Schultz got in, in the action with touchdown catches. So we're going to move on, gentlemen, and we come to Arrowhead Stadium, a frigid frigid Arrowhead Stadium where the Kansas City Chiefs are taking in the Miami Dolphins uh, in front of some fans whose number I don't have in front of me for some reason uh, but there was a lot uh, of them 71,492 thank you very much Dave um, and they watched the Kansas City Chiefs in absolutely arctic temperatures take down the Dolphins 26 to 7 um, uh, some of the box scores here Two attack of Iloa, 20 of 39 for 199 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Uh, he was sacked twice as well. The leading rusher. And the what they've been able to do, Miami, is run the ball surprisingly well against most teams. Leading rusher was Raheem Mostert, 8 for 33 yards. That was it. Devon Achan, who has led the league in yards per carry pretty much all season, Six carries, nine yards. Uh, leading receiver, no surprises. Tidy Kell, five for 62 and a touchdown. On the other side, Patrick Mahomes, 23 of 41, 262 yards, one touchdown, reading of 83.6. Leading rusher, Isaiah Pacheco, 24 carries for 89 yards. And leading receiver, Rashi Rice, who had himself a day, eight catches, 130 yards and a touchdown. Dave, we'll put it over to you first. Miami Dolphins. Kansas City Chiefs, what did you make of it? I mean, the Chiefs did exactly what I thought they were going to do. I know last week I think I picked the Dolphins, uh, which was silly because then I realised uh, what I saw the weather forecast was going to be. Um, so Miami were up against it from the get-go. And while well, we, we spoke about it throughout the majority of last season, was that uh, they don't do well against the bigger teams, and they have they had a very poor record against the bigger teams, um, and I mean the Chiefs, they, they they exploited the run game basically got 147 total yards in, in the rush, um, and that includes two brilliant runs by Patrick Mahomes um, because that I remember it, it just seemed like he they couldn't stop him. It's kind of weak, his tiny strides. Um, making him impossible to take down. It was quite funny to watch. Um, I mean, the, the the Dolphins just gave up on the run game, which for a team that is so he- he- reliant on speed, they just gave up on it and kept putting it into Tua's hands. And Tua did not have a good game at all whatsoever. I mean, uh, he came away with a rating of 63.9, which you don't want to see. I, I I think a lot of credit needs to go to the Chiefs defense though uh, as well. But uh, yeah, just you know, players like Nick Nick Bolton seemed to be everywhere. George Karlaftis was getting to Tua. Chris Jones was a menace all day long. Yeah, it, it was it was the Chiefs all day long, and Dolphins were shut out in the second half. They just could not get anything done. Uh, and Jake, once again, Harrison Butker had himself a great day. He had four field goals in this. But, you know, as Dave mentioned, the Dolphins were trying to pass quite a lot. And this weather just is not conducive to that type of football. Uh, I mean, it was so cold at one point. I'm sure you've all seen it. But Patrick Mahomes got hit in the two-yard line. And the front of his helmet shattered. Now... Uh, those helmets are not designed to shatter. They're designed to bend. But clearly, it was just so cold, it was just brittle and just cracked. You had to get a new helmet. For, well, 
Yeah, don't forget, and Andy Reid's moustache was frozen and had icicles on it. He did. That was the the the, the kind of reedometer. He, he <laughs> yeah, did indeed. Is it cold? It was brilliant. <laughs> but uh, but Jake, we've seen the Chiefs play like this before, where their defense has really stepped up, and they're not relying on their offense scoring touchdowns all the time. And Butker once again with four field goals. Yeah, you associate the Chiefs with, you know, high side offense. But like you say, last couple of years under Spagnola, this defense has been great. The, the players Dave mentioned there were the ones I were going to highlight as well. Um, but if you look at the, the, the drive charts as well, it wasn't the usual game. They were burning clock. Uh, you know, big, long, 10-plus um, play drives. And Kelsey dropped some penalties in the red zone, really kept the score more modest than it is. And you mentioned Rasheed Rice, he had a, a touchdown call back as well. I mean, this could have been worse for the Dolphins. And they went one of 12 uh, on third down. Um, I mentioned they didn't run the ball pretty much at all, considering that's kind of everyone's key to Miami's victory was they need to obviously be able to run the ball against the Chiefs. And they, they didn't even attempt it, really. Um, and then kind of looking overall, very bad kind of overview for the Dolphins. They're four and 10 in December and January under McDaniel. Uh, they're one and six uh, versus playoff teams um, with a hundred and, well, a minus 110 point differential. I mean, they're, they're not just losing against good teams. They're getting getting beat um, rather badly. Um, and sure, they were missing a lot of defensive stars. There's quite a few teams in the playoffs that are missing a lot mm -hmm. of stars. Um, but their offense going one touchdown and their final 16 offensive drives, that, that's just not the Miami you kind of expect or the Miami we were kind of promised in September. Yeah, well, as we know, you know, um, the Super Bowl isn't won in September. The, the Dolphins looked incredible in the lovely warm weather of Florida in in the middle of September. And then all of a sudden, they just they seem to have gotten worse as the years gone on. Uh, now, you're right, Jake, injuries do play a a big part in that and they have lost some key players but again as you said every team has been suffering injuries and has lost some key players so um it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, going forward to miami dolphins but we're going to move on gentlemen to at&t stadium on the sunday in front of 93,799 fans who packed into at&t and eight i can't even say it at&t stadium to watch their Dallas Cowboys take on the Green Bay Packers. The same Dallas Cowboys who we don't need to remind anyone, but we're going to anyway, hadn't lost at home since week one of 2022 or whatever it was. And the Green Bay Packers came in and stomped all over them. 48 to 32, but do not let that scoreline fool you. That's a 16 point win this game was never close with 150 to go in the first half it was 27 to nothing the packers just absolutely crushed the cowboys some of the box scored here um for the cowboys dak prescott 41 of 60 403 yards three touchdowns two interceptions as i say 90 percent of that was just stat padding in the fourth quarter Leading rusher, Tony Pollard, 15 for 56 and a touchdown. Leading receiver, uh, C.D. Lambert, nine catches for 110. Jake Ferguson, Jake, uh, 10 for 93 and three touchdowns. Michael Gallup, six for 103. But as I say, a lot of that was just garbage time. Uh, on the other side, Jordan Love, and stop me if this sounds familiar, 16 of 21, 
272 yards, three touchdowns and a rating of 157.2. Which means, with just two yards of a difference, he actually had identical stats to CJ Stroud. Identical. Identical. Two yards difference, everything else was absolutely identical. Um, On the ground... Aaron Jones, 21 carries for 118 yards and three touchdowns. Through the air, Romeo Dobbs was the leading receiver. Six catches for 151 and a touchdown. But Luke Musgrave and Dontavion, with a Y, Wicks, uh, he went two for 25 and a touchdown as well. Um, Jake, I'll put it to you first. I, I didn't see this coming. I did pick Green Bay to win this in my pickums, actually. You did? I did, but I did not see this coming. No, my, my AFC part of the bracket, fantastic. My NFC, not so good. Uh, and the, I mean, think you mentioned garbage time. The scoreline absolutely flatters Dallas. It was 48 to 16 before Green Bay basically said, you know, you get some of your yards. You, you do whatever you want to do. We've, we've done what we need to do. Uh, they had six touchdowns in the, the first seven offensive drives. Uh, they surrendered zero sacks to, to Michael Parsons and the Dallas defense. I think this goal is from like 40 points in like the third quarter. I mean, in the third quarter, it's it's kind of insane. Aaron Jones, uh, I mentioned last week how he's kind of peaking at the right time. Had three 100-yard game, uh, games in a row. Well, guess what? Added another one. Uh, 21, 118, uh, three touchdowns. Like I say, that's four straight. Um, and we've, we've kind of spoke about over the over the cast of the, the, well, over the entire podcast, how Green Bay have always had a quarterback since basically 1992 since before i was even born uh and everyone's slowly coming to the realization that it's it's not going to stop anytime soon and the biggest question in this entire game was how would joe barry's defense hold up well very well uh, they managed takeaways they managed attacks and uh, dad quinn who's been getting head coaching requests on the other hand was getting blown out um so i'm not sure if he's still going to be head coach or he's still going to go get those interviews but it's it was not how it was supposed to go for Dallas. Um, we mentioned three years in a row where they've had 12 wins, but managed to choke the playoffs. And, you know, I think we mentioned last week in terms of coaches in the playoffs that could be fired. Well, I think it's kind of a miracle that we're here, sat here on Wednesday, and Mike McCarthy is still still employed. Yeah, um, I tweeted out on Thursday, or maybe Friday, I think it was, that if the Cowboys lose this game, Bill Belichick will be the next coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I stand by that. I think McCarthy's gone. And I think Jerry Jones is just waiting for Bill Belichick to come in, interview, and then there you are. You take over. Because uh, he's got to be sick to death of this. He must be this team every single year going, Dallas Cowboys are going to do it this year. We're going to go all the way. And it doesn't happen. Dave, uh I don't know if you want to talk about Cowboys or Packers. Um, Jake's right. Jordan Love looked ridiculous in this game. Uh, Very reminiscent of his predecessor, unfortunately, in his prime. Um, What do you make of it? Uh, It's so painful, isn't it? It's it's just horrible to see that the Packers may have somehow found another top-tier potential future Hall of Fame quarterback. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sold that he's going to be the next Aaron Rodgers just yet. You know, we can't judge him off the, a couple games here and there. And there has been times this year where you just think, "Oh no, that's bad decision making," or 
maybe not quite um, what like what I kind of uh, Aaron Rodgers at, at that age uh, was doing, but um, like take nothing away from what he did here. He absolutely blew away the Cowboys. Uh, Dan Quinn, I thought he was going to have a heart attack. Uh, <laughs> like coming coming up to halftime, you you usually have the players that are on oxygen. I think I saw Dan Quinn getting a few few uh, big deep breaths in at this stage. Um, yeah, it, it's how often do you see a quarterback um, getting 403 yards and us just laughing at him? But that that you know that's Dak Prescott. He registered 403 yards in this game. He it was the first time in his career that he never registered a single completed pass in the first quarter. So those 403 yards came in three quarters, and just they they started off so badly. Neither uh, neither the offense, neither the defense, just they they looked so incompetent, so unsure of themselves, and I don't know was it nerves, was it pressure? I don't know what they said in the locker room before, um, but Dak looked shell shocked for the entire game. He just didn't know what was happening, which I I, I don't have any answers for it. Um, he got a couple sacks. Packers protected Jordan Love every single minute of the of the game. No, no sacks whatsoever, and one or two pressures here and there, but, you know, 157 rating for him and CJ Stroud. It's just, it, it's nice to see, but at the same time, God, it's painful. Yeah, and you talked about um, not much pressure on Love. That is true, but when he did get pressure, he was throwing off his back feet. He was yeah, jumping I, in the unit. And when Dallas were blitzing, there were guys wide open. I yeah. mean, there was one catch, I think it was by was it by Dobbs. Uh, there was no yeah. more than 10 yards of him. He's just like, oh, I'll mm-hmm. take that. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I think I think McCarthy's gone. Um, Jordan Love, you're right. Earlier this season, he had, some, he had some pretty bad games. He did not look good. But just like Jake had mentioned about Aaron Jones, he is just saving his best for last. And over the past six, seven weeks, he has looked absolutely fantastic. So uh, here's hoping the Packers don't get a decade of incredible quarterback play. I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> but we're going to move on, gentlemen. We come to Ford Field, in front of 66,367 fans who watched the Detroit Lions take on the Los Angeles Rams. And for the first time since 1991, the Detroit Lions won a playoff game. 24 to 23 don't worry Dave I'm going to get you to talk about this um box score quickly 25 to 36 for Matthew Stafford 367 yards two touchdowns no picks you're reading 120.9 leading rusher Kyron Williams 13 for 61 uh leading receiver on the day was Cooper Cup he had oh sorry it was Pukunakua Pukunakua 9 for 181 and a touchdown uh, fantastic game for him. Uh, Cooper Cup chucked in with five for just 27 yards. On the other side of the ball, Jared Goff, 22 of 27, 277 yards and a touchdown for a rating of 121.8. Leading rusher, David Montgomery, 14 for 57 and a touchdown, although Jameer Gibbs uh, went 8 for 25 and a touchdown. And the leading receiver, Amon Rasim Brown, seven catches, 110 yards, although Sam Laporta did have three for 14 and a touchdown down dave your rams ewan's lions i know you watch this game why don't you give us your thoughts but keep in mind uh we've only got you know a few hours to go so 
Oh, well, first of all, obviously, congratulations to the Detroit Lions on winning their first playoff game in however stupid amount of time it is. Um, I, I have a, a good few details about the game that I will go into, um, but can I just point out before everything else that the first half by the Rams' defense made it so that the Rams did not deserve to win this game. Now, you, there's two halves of football. Um, we were much better in the second half, but that, that first half we were kind of blown away. It was 14-3 after the first quarter, and obviously I feared the absolute worst. But um, yeah, we kind of woke up in the second half. Uh, it was... Um, 21-17 at halftime, I think. So, uh, I, and in which case, in the second half, neither team were able to win because the Lions ran out 24-23 victors. Um, however, there were some details in the game that I will be covering uh, in as much detail as I can. Um, there's one individual who I am starting a vendetta against, and that is Kirby Joseph. Kirby Joseph... Uh, did a couple things in this game and has done a couple things this season. Now, Tyler Higby went down after a horrible challenge from Kirby Joseph. Now, in less than a month, Kirby Joseph has torn the ligaments of two of the top tight ends in the league in Hawkinson and now in Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby's been confirmed as a torn ACL and torn MCL uh, after that challenge from him. Um... There was also a case where um, he where he went in on a late hit on Cowan Williams, which was shoulder straight to the head, and he left his feet when he did so. Uh, there was obviously no call against that, but in Cowan Williams had to go into the concussion protocol because of that. Um, sorry, I think that was CJ Gardner-Johnson, if I remember rightly. Um, but there was another one with Kirby Joseph. I think it was actually on Puganakua where he had a hip drop challenge which we have spoken about already this season uh and then after uh, puka was going down he rolled onto puka's ankle which uh, was a sore one for him um the roughing by the lions on defense was quite annoying to say the least that there was no calls on the on these uh there was no roughing the passer uh despite Stafford getting flattened by a 295 pound man followed by Aiden Hutchinson standing on his shoulder um, which was not ideal. There were four no calls for either holding, pass interference, or roughing the passer. Four Rams players were into con- concussion protocols in the game because of excessive force used by Detroit Lions players in, uh, on defense. Yeah, there was uh, quite a few things. Um, but obviously, I do, I do like the Lions. That has now changed. And it's changed for one reason. It's not because of the result. It's because of what the fans were doing during the game. The fans were pointing and booing not only at Matt Stafford, continuously, the best quarterback in the history of the franchise, Matt Stafford. They were pointing, booing, and abusing the family of Matt Stafford while they were watching. Now, considering the millions that Matt Stafford and his family have pumped into their foundation and into charities within the city, I was not okay with that. And... There were times when Matt Stafford's wife had to take the children away from the glass because of the abuse that was being hurled at them. And uh, there are numerous videos online of that happening. So it's not just uh, not not just rumors or whatever, but uh, that I was not impressed with whatsoever. Uh, what I was impressed with, though, was that um, Goff was able to get the ball out so quick in the first half. Um, 
and when he was not under pressure, uh, he, he completed 94% of his passes, something along those lines, which was fantastic for him. Uh, and the other takeaway I have is that Matt Stafford is still 10 times the quarterback that Jared Goff is because the amount of pressure that Stafford uh, was under, he still made some of the most incredible throws that you are ever going to see. The arm angles were incredible. Uh, Puka Nakua was immense. Uh, Cooper Cup. I think I said Cooper Nakua there, so we'll go for Puka Nakua. Uh, Cooper Cup had a couple of passes that he could have maybe done a little bit better with, but uh, he was very well covered most of the day, probably by Brian Branch. And Aaron Donald was triple teamed on every single drop back, which is just unreal. Uh, but, you know, that that's what you have to do to stop the man. So I think at one point when he realized there was three, he just kind of held back and was hoping that his teammates would pressure Jared Goff, which they were very unsuccessful in doing. But, uh, yeah, I don't know how much I want to go into this. Puka Nakua, 181 yards, I think it was, in this game, which is just immense, incredible. And... Yeah, I, I am now officially rooting for the other team that the Lions are advancing wow. <laughs> next week. Well, uh, Jake, before I hand it over to you, a um, couple of things. I'm open to questions, by Co- the way. A couple of things. Jared Goff was getting pelters from the Rams fans. In this game? Or uh, uh, yes, absolutely he was. And in previous game, you get pelters from he the Rams not- fans. No, uh, the, game, from the, the, game, fans. the game the game that we that we played against them in the regular season since trade he was not abused to the extent of course he was just because was it wasn't not. highlighted on television does not mean to say it did not go on he find absolutely was don't need to find you videos you <laughs> tell me that la rams fans are absolutely innocent and don't have a go at jared goff when he comes back the man who you said yourself totally fleeced the entire team out of those hundreds of millions of dollars, whatever it was. So oh, yeah, that, so that wasn't his fault. That wasn't his yeah, fault. You, you, listen, yeah, you abused Jared Goff. He did fleece So we, we, we don't need to go there. He absolutely, he absolutely did fleece us out of millions with that uh, contract see, extension. There you go. But, now, yeah. if that, that's you seeing that sitting here in the Outer Hebrides. How do you think the Rams fans in the stadium are going to react to Jared Goff? Trust me, he was getting abused. The other, other couple of things. Triple teaming Aaron Donald in every play, of course. That's what you need to do. The fact that the Rams, other Rams rushers, couldn't get any pressure on Goff yeah. is a testament to the fact that that Detroit Lions offensive line one-on-one was hands down winning in the trenches. Um, and there was a couple of plays. They, <laughs> you mentioned some of the calls. There was oh, calls. Honestly, There was calls. Uh, there was the offside that wasn't called. It was an offside that was, that was called. Re- so yeah, so that one. So, so the so the one the one where um, I think it was Byron Young that stepped. He he, he was uh, too early. He stepped back, but apparently the, the way that the line judge saw it was that he didn't enter the neutral zone. Now I think that is garbage. It was uh, garbage because that, that should have been neutral, in the neutral zone. Yeah. That should have been a neutral zone infraction. Yeah, instead uh, of that a false start penalty, which pushed them back. Yeah, I mean, I mean that was yeah. The, there was um, the the two pass uh, defense pass interference calls that should have been called that weren't. Um, there was a hold against I think Rob Havenstein on Aiden Hutchinson, which was absolute garbage. I like the commentator was just like, "Where was that? That that that's not a hold." 
Um, yeah, but you've got held 90% of the other snaps, so the rest probably just went, ah, oh, we'll give him this one. This, this, yeah. this is the one we'll finally give. Hutchinson no, gets held on, Hutchinson gets double teamed and held on every single play, just like Aiden Donald does. Every yeah, single play he gets held. Oh wait, you yeah, know. but when you when you've got three people surrounding Aaron Donald, there's no need to hold him. He, he's he's at that point. I think at that point he was he was giving up. But they finally managed to get some pressure in the third and fourth quarter, which was uh, led to Gar- Jared Goff getting sacked a few times. My my so, my, um, my, my point my point remains that um, the Lions deserve to win this game. They played they did, better than the Rams first half. Did. Yeah, they did not get every half, call yeah. going their way. Uh, they had they something. They could have had. They could have had two big interceptions from Matt Stafford, including one that was on the one yard line where the ball popped up and was missed by an inch by the defender when it landed on the ground. This game could have been uh, a lot different in regards to the score. However, I'm not here to rag on your Rams, Steve, nor you, um, Jake. I want to get your opinion on the Rams and the Detroit Lions, and of course the Lions now. Uh, they go into their next game and uh, they've got to be feeling good about themselves even though they've got a tough matchup coming up. No, absolutely. And I think, obviously, the, the most common stars, I think it's their first perfect since like 1991, 1992. Uh, it's their second playoff win since 1957, which kind of puts it in perspective that even the 1992 one, you found so far away, well, it was a massive uh, gap in between that and the, the last one. So mm. hopefully they'll be, be looking to kind of put two back to back. Uh, hats off to, to Brad Holmes, who I believe was also part of uh, the LA Rams system. Uh, and Dan Campbell, in this game, to me, made two huge decisions. Um, he accepted a holding penalty. Um, when the Rams failed to convert a third down, it would have been fourth down. He uh, accepted a holding penalty to push the Rams out of field goal range. Um, and that paid off because I believe Hutchinson actually got sacked the next play. Yeah. Compl- you know, that, that completely kind of changes what could have happened. Um, and then throw in on second down right at the end of the game, when most coaches, you know, they run, run, and then they might try and pass on third to, to kill the game. He, he threw on second down, got the first down, you know, completely killed the game. They could kneel down. I mean, two huge calls that, you know, if they go against you, you look like an idiot. Um, if they go for you, you look like a genius, and you get the plaudits, rightly so. Um, and the, the tail of the game for me, really, was the Rams really trying to force it to cup. You mentioned he was 5 for 27. He had nine targets. And then the red zone, the Lions went 3 of 3 and the Rams went 0 and 3 and that really was kind of the difference maker. Yeah. Yeah, red zone, red zone offense is always, and, and defense obviously is always such a huge factor. Well, every, every time we were, yeah, I mean, we didn't get into the, the, we didn't get into the end zone every time we were in the red zone. We, we kept going for field goals instead because we just couldn't get it done. I think the Lions just kind of back it, backs against the walls came out fighting, but uh, yeah, the, the only other qualm was the, the big one against Pukunakua. There was three potential penalties on that one play, um, which would have put us firmly into field goal range when we were. It was twenty four, twenty three. So, Jake. yeah, it, it, it is. All what it Saints is. fans Jake. really feel for you uh, and you know, the defensive was, pass interference not being called in a playoff game. I was just going to say, Jake, bleeds. C- can you imagine, Jake, uh, an important pass interference call not being called? In the playoffs. And can you imagine uh, a Rams fan lauding it every single year, every single chance he gets, and then playing the violin? Did did Dave not buy you a mug? I have a mug in my house still with the the defensive pass interference where the the player is tackling the man. The ball isn't even on the mug. (laughs) (laughs) That's how egregious it was. Yeah. I mean, it was a bare-faced assault is what that was. Wow. It's 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 Nicole Nicole Robbie Coleman. He's he's not even there anymore. So it's it's fine. We move on. 
we move, and yet you will refuse to, as we all know. How quickly, yeah, how things have changed. <laughs> so, gentlemen, we are moving on, uh, and we're coming to Highmark Stadium um, in front of 70,040 fans on Monday because the game was moved for the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the thing that got me, I don't know how much of you saw any of the pre-game of the fans coming into the stadium. Keep in mind, the game was moved for, for the weather, okay? Weather warnings. Mm-hmm. They said we're postponing the game. We're going to move it to Monday. That's fine. There are videos of fans literally wading through snow up to their waist, just trying to find their seat because the the seats were buried in snow. Um, <laughs> it, it ultimately resulted in a victory for the Buffalo Bills as they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers thirty-one to seventeen. Um, looking at the box score here, Mason Rudolph went twenty-two of thirty-nine for two hundred twenty-nine yards. Two touchdowns, one pick. Uh, the leading rusher was actually Jalen Warren, who had eight for 38 yards. And uh, Nadia Harris had 12 carries for 37. And the leading receiver was um, George, uh, sorry, Pat Fryermuth, I should say, who had five catches for 76 yards. George Pickens had five for 50. And on the other side, Josh Allen, 21 of 30, 203 yards, three touchdowns, rating of 121.9. Rushing the ball, James Cook's the leading rusher, 18 for 79, although Josh Allen carried eight times for 74 yards and a very impressive touchdown run. Um, receiving the ball, the leading receiver, no surprises, Stefan Diggs, seven catches, 52 yards, although Dalton Kincaid had three for 59 and a touchdown. Khalil Shakir had three for 31 and a touchdown. And Dawson Knox had one for nine and a touchdown. Jake McGee, Buffalo Bills, um, and the Steelers. It it almost didn't look like a contest. Mason Rudolph really had a hard time in this game with the Buffalo defense. Despite all the injuries this Buffalo defense has been carrying, and they lost another player due in this game. Um, but Josh Allen looked fantastic again, didn't he? Oh, absolutely. You mentioned Buffalo's back seven, their linebackers and defensive backs, have, they've just been dropping all year and they're still dropping. And they must be on, you know, the absolute bare bones of, of what they've got left. But um, Allen, a really clean game and he's been running a lot more later in the season. Um, it was 14 to nothing before you could blink um, to his tight ends. Then he had that monster run. And it was 21-0. Um, you know, the game, they, they completely took the foot of the gas, basically. made it slightly interesting. It was 24-17 for a little bit. Um, but they managed to put the game away, which obviously is the main thing. Uh, and we, we spoke about them in the past few weeks. They were 6-6. Six and six. They've won six in a row. They've had a home wildcard game. They've now got a home divisional round game. They've been playing win-or-go-home games for over a month now. This isn't new to them. You were saying uh, with Dallas, I think it's correct, they, they were stressed, you know, a lot of pressure. There's no pressure on the Bills. They've been, they've been in this situation for over a month. They know we've got to win or it's, it's season over. Um, so I don't think they're, they're, they have any fear. Um, and, and, and I think that helps them. And that's certainly helping Josh Allen. Like say, noticing a bit of a, a pattern over the years that maybe trying to stay healthy in the start of the year doesn't run as much and then the back end of the year because he is still healthy and he's not taking too many hits he has the the ability to to run out of the pocket more and i mean looks like an absolute freight train <laughs> you know you don't want to see josh allen really running at you if you're a defensive back and then on the, the flip side for the steelers it's five consecutive playoff losses for tomlin and steelers uh, and the all the opponents have scored 31 or more in those five games it's 
it's one of them. We always expect the Steelers to, to get into the postseason. Um, we always expect them to have a winning record. But when they do get into the playoffs, they always lose straight away and their opponents always score 31. So it's, you know, double-edged sword. Yeah, and um, obviously I'm, I'm not saying that Buffalo scored a lot fewer points, Dave, but um, the Steelers really missed TJ Watt in this game, didn't they? I mean, it was obvious how much they missed TJ Watt in this game. Uh, but the Bills now, they've got a huge playoff game coming up, uh, a home playoff game, in fact. Um, is it, no, yes, it is. It is a home game. Yeah, home yeah, playoff game, yeah, come yeah, up, mm-hmm. uh, in fact, against Kansas City. So what do you think about this? I think the bill. I think Jake took away exactly what I was going to say uh, about their kind of um, winner bust mentality, which is what they've been doing for. I mean, they, I, I was it not at one point they were two percent or some two to five percent or something to make the playoffs, and now they're they've got home field advantage uh, right up until the championship game if if they keep if they keep winning. Uh, Josh Allen was just immense and I thoroughly believe that they are going to go on and reach the AFC Championship game at this point because I just don't see how uh, they, they, I don't see how anyone can stop them before then I don't think the Chiefs are going to stop them the Steelers had no answer for them whatsoever I think the scoreline flattered the Steelers um, their run game was awful Najee Harris just looked pedestrian uh, Jalen Warren had a Good, good. A uh, few runs that was quite uh, that was quite good, but it was the only thing they had. George Pickens made one amazing catch, though. Uh, I remember that was at a really vital time as well. So like, he had to reach behind him, contort his body, but he managed to pull it in very well. So um, aside from that, though, Pittsburgh were just yeah, they were they were, they were not not on the same level as Buffalo here, and I think Buffalo have a lot to look forward to in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, the, the Bills were 6-6 six and six after their overtime loss to Philadelphia in Week 12. And mm-hmm. they looked like they were out of it. And then they had, because they'd, they'd lost three out of four, because they'd lost to Cincinnati, they lost to Denver, they beat the Jets and then lost to Philadelphia. And then they had their bye week, and since then, they've won six in a row. They won five in a row to close out the season, and then the wild card game there. Um, they have been playing week to week. They have been playing do or die football, and it's been working. They've got a real tough challenge uh, up ahead uh, against the Chiefs, though. Uh, but we're going to move on, gentlemen, and we come to the NFC matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Philadelphia Eagles at Raymond James Stadium in front of 63,397 fans and very much like the Green Bay-Dallas game, I called the winner. But I did not expect it in the fashion that it happened. Uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers absolutely crushed the Eagles 32-9 to in this one. Just looking at some of the box scores here. Jalen Hurts is 25 of 35 for 250 yards and a touchdown. He had a rating of 100.9. Leading rusher, DeAndre Swift, 10 for 34 yards. Leading receiver, Devontae Smith, um, 8 for 148 yards. Dallas Goddard, um, 4 for 21 and the lone touchdown. Um, on the other side of the ball, Baker Mayfield, 22 of 36, 337 yards, 3 touchdowns, no picks, rating of 119.8. Rashad White went 18 for 72 on the ground and the leading receiver was uh, Cade Otten, who had 8 catches for 89 yards, although touchdowns came from Trey Palmer, David Moore and Chris Godwin. Dave, I'll put it to you, Buccaneers and Eagles, as I say, I, I 
thought the Buccaneers might win this. I did not expect it to be so emphatic. And what, where do the Eagles go from here? Uh, with a new head coach, um, I, th- I think is a very, very big possibility now. Um, and, you know, he uh, in his uh, post-game interview, he said that uh, they were out of sync and that starts with him. And I, c- I couldn't agree more. I think the last six, seven weeks, they've been absolutely atrocious. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen... We've we've seen some hor- horrible things that I've I've already spoken about, so I won't go into too much about it. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, it when one of the main talking points for the Eagles is that their security chief was back on the team's sideline uh, instead of focusing about how atrocious their performance was in this game, particularly on offense. Um, yeah, it's it, it it does it says a lot, uh, but. You know, it, I I don't think this one this one was on Jalen Hurts. Um, he he put in as much effort as he could. They had no AJ Brown, which was massive. Devontae Smith did very well in the game, though, for 148 yards. Um, Jalen Hurts refused to leave the pocket, which is not a strength of his. I I think that um, the the first season that Lamar tried to do that and stop running so much with it. Um, he slightly regressed a little bit. He wasn't quite as um, quite as great as he was the season before, but uh, they, they, they just refused to run with Jalen Hurts, and um, I think he had one carry in the entire game. Yeah, even even Baker out carried him and outran him in this game, which which is quite a bit. But take, look, in this one, take nothing away from Tampa Bay. They were brilliant. They were absolutely brilliant, and Baker was the MVP of this game for me, although some of the de- the defense on the Tampa Bay side as well, uh, Jamal Dean and, uh, you know, Anton Winfield covered really well as well. So Tampa Bay march on. They do indeed. Uh, now, Jake, Dave's talking about uh possibility of Sirianni. Being, well, he is in the hot seat. So we think it's weird. They, they're the reigning NFC champions. They started the season 10 and one. And yet here we are, just a few weeks later, saying his job might not be safe because of the the collapse of this team. Um, also, just to point out, um, Julio Jones was taken into the uh, concussion protocol. He was removed from the game as well for Philadelphia. They had a really, they have had it so rough the past few weeks. These Eagles, but we we've sort of seen it coming, haven't we? Absolutely, and a complete meltdown. Like say ten and one to this. Each week, and I, I myself last week, you know, every week it's been, you know, okay, they've had a meltdown, or they need to win this because they've got a chance of the the NFC East, or they need to win this because it's a playoff game. They'll, they'll they'll figure out. It's the Eagles. They're they're very good. We know, and they've just they're not figuring it out. And obviously, it's it's far too late now. Um, and changes will have to be made, whether it's the head coach, whether it's something else. But you can't go into next season on on the back of this with with no changes and expect everything to be hunky dory. And, for the books, they had they had nothing to lose, uh, and they looked like it. They absolutely stomped the Eagles. Big Mayfield mistake free is is absolutely great for them. Um, the Eagles crumbled even with the refs. They, they, they tried to make it a competitive game. There were some very soft calls. There was a defensive pass interference that was only given after Dallas Goddard got up and asked for it, which I don't think is how defensive pass interference works. Um, but apparently, if you ask nice enough um, or you're wearing the right jersey, you get it. It was. It was bizarre to me, uh, and I don't like the books. So for me to say the Eagles are getting soft calls and a defensive pass interference that they shouldn't have should tell you what you need to know about that. It's some of the worst tackling you'll ever see, um, especially on the, the Palmer 56-yard touchdown. 
the tackling was absolutely unacceptable. I don't I don't know how you don't just fire everyone on the defense because mm. you know if you're outskilled, fair enough. If you're outplayed, fair enough. If if you can't be bothered to even make a tackle or take the right angle, these are all pro players, pro ball players. So, you know, very well paid on a on a super team players who who all of a sudden forget how to tackle. No, there is something rotten in that organization right now. The, another thing on the, on this game that the safety absolutely horrendous yeah. from Hertz. I mean. I mean, how from the position that that drive started from, it ended up in a safety because he just kept on going, you know, he didn't want to escape the pocket, like Dave said, so he just went back and back and back, and there was no plan B. It was just throw up to Devontae Smith and hope. Uh, the the Bucks got a great kind of matchup because they just, the, the blitz completely overwhelmed them. Uh, Eagles didn't once adjust. I don't know if it's stubbornness or stupidness from the coaches. They just, they didn't put in an extra lineman or a tight end to, to help block, they they just oh, we're going to run our scheme, and even though we're getting blitzed and battered, we're not going to make the the change that is necessary. It's it's malpractice, and they they took points off the board twice. Um, they had a extra point. Uh, there was an offside, so they went for their pushbush and failed, and then they had a fourth and ten uh, field goal. Uh, there was an offside, so it was fourth and five, and they went for fourth and five. Just taking points off the board when you can't get any is is also very questionable to me, especially early on because the two point thing very early on was bizarre to me. It didn't make any sense mathematically. Um, I mean, congratulations to the Bucks doing the the NFC uh, South proud. Um, going into Detroit this week, you know they've got every chance. Uh, but for the Eagles, yeah, there, there is something rotten in that organization. I think there's one standout stat though from the entire game, and that's that the Eagles went zero and nine on third down. Oh and nine, and you're and you're in the playoffs of the of the league. Nah, you 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 don't deserve anything if that's if that's what you're gonna do. And then even when they went third and fourth down, they were in two. So they once they went past second down, there was no hope. And that wraps up our super wild card weekend review. So, gentlemen, we are going to move on, and we come to our uh, wild card. WinFL Awards, Wild Card Week with what Super Wild Card Weekly WinFL Awards. I'll get there. I'll get there. Are you all right? I'm all right. Thank <laughs> you. All right. Uh, we're going to start with Offensive Player of the Week. Jake McGee, who do you have as Offensive Player of the Week? Uh, it was a real toss up between Jordan Love and CJ Stroud. And like you said, their stats almost identical. Uh, so I thought the only reasonable thing was to give it to Aaron Jones uh, 21 for 118 and three touchdowns. I feel better than having to choose between one of the two. Um, I'm giving it to both of them. Stroud and Love. I, I, the, the, oh, the, that's just cheating. It, it's not cheating. They're, ident- they're yeah. identical. I was going to give it to Stroud and then Love. I, I, do you know what? I'll give it to Stroud. And the reason I give it to Stroud, he had two more passing yards than Jordan Love did. So there you go. <laughs> I'm giving it to Stroud. And his first ever, a rookie in his first ever playoff game putting up numbers like that against the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, absolutely. Dave, who you got? Well, I I was in the exact same scenario where I was torn between Jordan Love and CJ Stroud. So I've given it to Puka Nakua because it's the last time I'll be able to give it to a Ram this season. (laughs) Did not see that coming. His first playoff game, 181 yards reception, uh, 
numerous penalties that weren't called against him. Yeah, Puganuko. It's not a stat. It's not a stat at all. That's what it is. If that's the case, then Cortland Sutton's the MVP of the league this year. For all the non-pass interference calls against him. Just seeing. I'm glad, I'm glad he got it. Justin Fields is about yeah. to be the world's best quarterback. <laughs> Justin Fields is the best quarterback of all time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word. Defensive player of the week, Jake McGee. Who have you got? Christian Harris. Eight tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss, a pass defense, a QB hit, and a 36-yard pick six. He was everywhere. Even when he was injured, he came back. He was everywhere. Um, no, absolutely no argument whatsoever. Christian Harris literally was ever. He had an incredible game. Uh, yeah, Christian Harris for me. I, I was going to give it to uh, Christian Harris right up until I was watching the Packers-Cowboys uh, game. So Jake, I've gone I for think Darnell's. he's going to give it to Pukanakua. Um, yeah, yes, that's obviously what Pukunakua. <laughs> now I was going to give Darren Donald. No, absolutely, no, triple team Darren <laughs> Donald. Um, now I've got, I've given it to Darnell Savage. Actually, uh, he he was responsible for that sixty-four yards uh, pick six of um, of Dak, uh, but he also had uh, four tackles and one pass deflection as well. He was just he, he was immense in leading that Green Bay line to absolutely annihilate the Cowboys in that game. So you know it. it, it I, I would have quite happily given it to Harris, but uh, yeah, it just seemed to be, I, I was very focused uh, on Darnell Savage in that game, so I'll give it to Darnell Savage. Uh, and finally, of course, we come to our special team slash defensive player slash unit of the week. Jake McGee, what have you got? I struggled with this one because I wasn't really a standout, unless either of you will prove me wrong. Uh, I went with Chase McLaughlin. He had three field goals of 28, 48 and 54 and three for three on his extra points, which means he outscored Philadelphia and therefore my unit player of the week. <laughs> um, I've given it to Harrison Butker uh, with his four field goals in some pretty turgid conditions. So um, I'm Harrison Butker for me. Dave? Uh, Harrison Butker as well. It obviously, just like Jake, very difficult to pick one this week. Mm. I was going to give it to the Chiefs defense, which very easily uh, would have been great but uh yeah i've given it to harrison butker he's just uh, i think he had told 14 points so he had double miami's points in this game and there we go gentlemen we now come to our well i mean i see a rapid fire it's only four games it's only four games to pick it's a divisional round oh mm. my word we start with the houston texans at the baltimore ravens guess what jake the upset what? is on the Houston Texans are going to beat the Baltimore Ravens, even though I picked Baltimore to go to the Super Bowl in my pickums. <sighs> not the point. It's, I'm on. I'm on air now, so I'm allowed to, to just go with my heart and not my head. The Houston Texans will win against the Baltimore Ravens in overtime. Twenty-seven, twenty-four. Boom. There you go. Well, as I alluded to, my, my AFC pick-ems are perfect at the moment. And last week I had a real battle between my head and my heart. And I, and I chose my heart and went with the Texans. But I will stay true to my pick-ems. And I will pick the Ravens to win 24-21. Yeah, that's the sensible thing to do. It really is. I'm just being daft. I think with about going into the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter, it's going to be 27-27. But only one of these teams has the greatest kicker of all time. And Justin Tucker is going to put the Ravens 
thirty to twenty seven and through to the AFC Championship game. Love it. Fantastic. We then have the Green Bay Packers at the San Francisco 49ers. Um, 49ers have been the Packers' kryptonite for the best part of two decades in the postseason. They've beat them every single time. This will be no different. Um, it's going to be a closer game, though, than uh, the past few meetings between these teams. And I've got the 49ers winning this one by a score of 28-21. to 21. Yeah, I've got it. Uh, I've got Green Bay covering, uh, but they had a rather large spread of nine and a half last time I checked. Uh, the 49ers I have winning 31 to 24. I, I actually think this is going to be a really, really close game. Um, and it's my bias that's going to swing it for the Packers. Um, I, think going, I think it's going to be another really close game. Uh, Jake, you're right. It is still nine and a half the 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 spread, but I'm giving it to the Packers, and I think it's going to be a high scoring game, thirty four points to twenty eight. Oh, quick note, actually, um, just that the Green Bay Packers last week with their win became the first ever seven seed to win a playoff game. So there you go. Um, we then move on to the game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Detroit Lions. And I'm taking the Lions to win 34 to 20. Back to back wins for the Detroit Lions. What do you make of that, guys? Big win. Well, unlike the super wildcard, I'm hoping the divisional round is closer. Uh, the spread on this one being six and a half. I have Tampa Bay actually covering, but I do have the Lions coming out on top 28 to 23. Bucks win 20 to 17. No questions. Don't worry, I'm not asking any questions. <laughs> um, we then have our final game uh, on Sunday, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs at the Buffalo Bills. Big difference uh, playing in Arrowhead and playing in Buffalo, but I'm giving the edge to the Chiefs. Another close game, but I've got them winning this one, 23-21. to 21. Yeah, the Bills are actually favoured by two and a half, uh, but I have also gone the Chiefs because Ooh. I think the Chiefs have... Playoff winning football. They've got a good defense. They've got a run game if they need it. Um, I just think <laughs> this is what they do in the playoffs. So I've gone thirty to twenty-seven for the Chiefs. Nice. Oh, I'm I'm against the side again. I'm I'm picking the Bills. I said that they were uh, when they beat the Steelers that they were going to uh, have a good couple of weeks, and I'm sticking to that. I think the Bills are going to narrowly win. Um, they they are two and a half still. But the over-under is 45, which I'm expecting a bit more points in this one. So I'm going to say 28 points to 27 for the Bills. There we go. I will be a high-scoring game. And that wraps up our rapid-fire divisional round Winifel predictions. So, gentlemen, we have time for uh, one more sec. I say we have time for shortest podcast probably of the year unbelievably just because there wasn't so many games someone's gonna have a happy wife someone <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, happier <laughs> anyway uh, <laughs> happier than last week oh god she doesn't listen it's okay i can say that so <laughs> it's time for our final segment and it is of course random stats random, random stats. stats yeah random stats yeah um who wants to go first this week I've got a quick one. Go for it. Uh, it uh, yeah. It's, uh, well, two two that kind of link in together. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 
He's the only Bucks quarterback to have 300, more than 300 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and zero interceptions in a playoff game. And that's in Bucks franchise history. And also from 2003 to 2019, the Bucks didn't win a single playoff game. Now they've won six in the last four years. We don't want to talk about the previous five, uh, but this one is a really special one for them. And I think it just shows how much they have actually turned around their franchise. And Baker is and should still be the Cleveland Browns quarterback. Could, uh, the, what? Oh, the Browns quarterback. Sorry. I thought you, yes, mis- the thought you misspoke there. I thought you misspoke there. No, no um, not the Browns. You're right. You know, the Buccaneers have turned it around. Last year they were 8 and 10, floundering. You know, they had, they had a rubbish quarterback. And then this year, they bring in Baker Mayfield, and they win a playoff game. So I absolutely agree with you, Dave. Absolutely agree with you. What do you think? I, I, I thought you would. Well, they missed the playoffs last year because the quarterback uh, was rubbish. No, they didn't. They won. They, no, they won, they won the NFC South. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you're forgetting, you're forgetting what division they're in. Sorry. Sorry. You're right. I forgot that they were in the NFC they, South, and they won the division with an 8-10 and 10 record. Was it, but Jake, was it 7 and 10 or 7 and 10? 8 and 9, and then they went 1 and 8 and 9, oh. and then 1 oh, and 10. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. They finished the season 8 and 10. They were 8 and 9, mm. and then, then they lost because of their quarterback. It's a good job to get rid of that, loser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> My random stat concerns the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm going to apologize to Tim in advance <laughs> for this. And any other Cowboys fans who may be listening. Um, now, since 1997, the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, have won four playoff games, right? Since 1997. Four playoff games. The Houston Texans have won five, and they didn't exist until 2002. Ooh. Yeah. Sorry, Tim, but America's team, the, the Cowboys, the, the thing that gets me with the Cowboys is that in that time, right, they've won the NFC East uh, a few times, they played second a few times. They've had records of 10 and 6, 10 and 6, 13 and 3, 11 and 5, 12 and 4, 13 and 3, 10 and 6, 12 and 5, 12 and 5, 12 and 5. The last three years, as you mentioned, Jake, and they get into the playoffs and they just keep losing in the playoffs. Uh, Tony Romo went, what was it, 2 and two and 5 in his career in the playoffs. And now Dak Prescott's 2 and 4 or 2 and 5 himself. It's 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 almost the same. Rinse and repeat for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and that that's the reason that I think, as we mentioned earlier, I think McCarthy is going to lose his job. Uh, and I think Jerry Jones is going to bring in Belichick. But yeah, uh, Dallas Cowboys, four wins since 1997. <laughs> Texans, five since 2002. Uh, clearly, they are the most successful team in the state of Texas. This is three days after Jake... Uh, sent a welfare check into the group chat for poor Tim <laughs> <laughs> and this is, what, this is how you carry on so, well, I, yeah, listen okay. I don't even know if Tim listens to the podcast anymore he's probably, Tim does listen he, 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 I mean he's probably sick of <laughs> some of the mentions when we do mention him it's never in a positive note about the Cowboys uh, that's true that's very true I suppose but it'll certainly get better right it, there wouldn't be a second random start bashing the Cowboys <laughs> 
Surely, America's team, the I Texas's team, there, there wouldn't be another random stat, but there would, there would, because for only the fifth time in the Super Bowl era, a division has sent multiple teams to the playoffs, only to have both teams never hold a single lead and losing one and done. So this year, the Cowboys and the Eagles did it, and they are the first teams to do it since 2021, when the Cowboys and the Eagles did it. <laughs> oh, no. That's rough. That's rough. I mean, hey, Remember, listen. Tim, it was me that sent the welfare. I was the one worried for you. So, you know. Now, you, that, this is here. true. This is true. Jake is the one who says, I wonder if Tim's all right. I'll, I'll just check in on him. Um, listen. My team hasn't even made the playoffs since 2015. So, you know, I, I can't really talk too much about it. But at least, you know, in that year, we did win a Super Bowl. You know, the Cowboys still still have not been to an NFC Championship game since 1995. That's just, it's rough. It's rough for this organization, for the fans. My team, my my team's lost a division to a nine and eight books and an and an eight and nine books last two years. So you know, and I keep I've been told by my my GM today that um, Tom Landry and Chuck Knoll and Bill Belichick have had bad years and they're Hall of Fame coaches. So don't worry, don't worry. Dennis Allen and his like twenty four and forty eight record is he's a Hall of Famer, baby. You tell me that he did. It's not, all gonna be okay. He did not compare him to. Chuck Noll and Tom Landry. Chuck Noll. Yeah, um, I'll just find it. See, Bill Walsh. A bit of extra time. <laughs> how how yeah. does he still have a job? Even Pete, Pete Carmichael it was long overdue to go, and the Saints have finally got rid of him. But Dennis Allen is still there. It's just it's it's ridiculous, and the fact that every single time someone from Saints Twitter tweets out, they get bombarded with. Please fire Allen. Please fire Allen. Please yeah. get rid of Allen. Anyone. I think they take they take a plank of wood right now over Dennis Allen. They'd probably be more successful. Even when they fired like the entire offense, basically, everyone was like, yeah, and? And apparently Mickey Loomis is moving further upstairs to less of a GM role, which is great because he doesn't care about the Saints. Um, and Kai Harvey, who was I was mentioned last week, I think was getting interviews at Carolina and other places. I think we're making the correct move and promoting him to GM. Um, but yeah, here's the, the statement. Mickey Loomis on keeping head coach Dennis Allen. Chuck Knoll, his first three years, one of 13, five, nine, six, and eight. They recognized he's a good football coach. Bill Belichick, his first three years, six and 10, seven, nine, seven, and nine. Tom Landry, oh, and 11, four, and nine, five, and eight, four, and 10, five, and eight. All of them Hall of Fame coaches. The easy thing is to blame them. You've got to look beyond that inspiring inspiring stuff can't wait for a seven and ten season maybe does he not know that the reason that chuck Noll was rubbish in his first four years is because the steelers had a terrible team like no talent whatsoever and he built that team by drafting and making trades to be fair dennis allen's going to build a team because everybody wants out so there's not going to be anyone left (laughs) that's ridiculous a ridiculous yeah, but, statement. See, yeah, but the see, see the Saints store they, they had they had cap issues. Uh, you know, obviously, the, you know, the caps are myth, blah, blah blah blah. But they did have cap issues, and they haven't addressed that whatsoever. They don't have a lot of wriggle room to get in a lot of top tier players. Um, but they they're, they're going to stick with uh, Carr. 
they're gonna if they're gonna stick with Dennis Allen, that's well that that's a joke in itself. But um, yeah, they just do, they're they're kind of setting themselves up for like you said, Jake, another seven and ten season, and it's just it's it's a joke to run your organization like that. Um, they're they're getting I, everything. I, I've said over the last couple of years to you, and I'm sure either of you two at some point. If we're going to keep Dennis Allen, or when we hire Dennis Allen, if we're going to, you know, just eat the cap for a year or two, and just say, listen, we're not going to be a very good football team for a year or two. We've got to basically do what the Rams are going to do this year, you know. And if anything happens, it's a great surprise. Lower those expectations. That's fine. But instead, they double down. Like, no, no, we're still a competitor. We're going to sign a quarterback. We're the only person in the division that's going to sign a quarterback to a big deal. We're going to win this division. We're competitive. And we're now a year later, you know, wasting Alvin Kamara, Mike Thomas, Ryan Ramchuk, uh, wasting all these players, great players' careers, because we refused two years ago to eat the cap, one year to eat the cap, and we won't eat the cap this year. We'll still find a way to pretend we're competitive. But the thing is, like you talk, like you look at the dead money, for example, and then people always talk about the dead money. Like the teams with the most dead money in the league: Green Bay Packers, Los Angeles Rams. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Philadelphia Eagles—they all made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, we 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 do. I mean, of course, we talk about the cap, but then as Steve says, you know, cap's a myth because it it's all people look at this or oh, dead money. We're going to be crippled. Well, you know, the Rams went and crippled. They made the playoffs. The Eagles went and crippled. They made the playoffs. Well, they were crippled at the end of the year, but that was through their own doing. <laughs> That's not because of not because of the, the dead cap money. This is this is the thing that we see people talking about uh, being over the cap and having all this dead money, and it's going to hamstring your your organization for all these years. And you think, well, clearly not. Clearly, teams are just like, ah, we'll just eat it. Doesn't matter. You know, maybe you're just better off with without that player who was costing you a hundred million dollars. You know, you know, Dave, we we joked about it before, but Jared Goff, the the money that the Rams ate when they got rid of Jared Goff was immense. It really was and huge. Todd and Todd Garley, Todd oh, of course, I forgot about Todd, Todd Garley. Garley. You've got uh, even uh, Bobby Wagner, um, Alan Robinson. You know that 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 we, we, we're still paying ninety percent of Alan Robinson's salary, um, but now I think it's at the end of this year. Our cap looks really good now mm-hmm. because we we in we, a we, good position with the yeah. cap. Yeah, I mean, last year we went what, what was it five, five and well, or six and eleven, five and twelve, something like that. It was horrible. Uh, you know, coming off the back of a Super Bowl win this year, we're at, at the tail end of like the cap penalties and things like that we're looking really good but the saints could do something like that but the thing is though we have sean mcveigh uh, obviously i i have yeah. some issues with sean mcveigh he's he, his time management in particular is very bad as jake alluded to a couple of weeks ago um but you know he's still in other ways is one of the best one or one of if not the best coaches in the league in in other departments which we are benefiting from whereas dennis allen i'm struggling to see any benefits dennis allen brings other than it's just someone that the the kind of upper uh, behind the scenes um, people at the Saints have someone to blame, and they're just going to keep him in place, which is the only benefit I see. And it's just ridiculous because the Saints are suffering now, considering that uh, they had a Hall of Fame quarterback for years and years in Drew Brees, and it's just they haven't used that time to you know cement their future because now they're suffering. Any response to that, Jake? 
Uh, I just think, uh, completely agree with what everything said. I just think the last two years we've not made the playoffs, we've underperformed. If we had done what we should have done and what I said we should have done, and you know, at the cap, we could have been like the Rams right now. We could have, um, you know, good, exciting rookies and kind of you know a mixture of um, very good players around them, uh, good cap space, good good draft picks. But instead, we're in a position where we've not got many draft picks. We've got negative like one hundred million cap space. A terrible head coach, and all our good players don't want to be there. You know, <laughs> just two years ago we should have done it. A year ago we should have done it, and it wouldn't have really. You know, it's not exactly like oh well, we we didn't, and we went ten of ten and seven, and we won a playoff game, so you can't really complain. No, we missed the playoffs twice for for what reason? For for what reason? Yeah, and that's the thing when you when you have these things with like the the cap, and you're saying just just eat the cap, eat it in one year, boom, it's gone, it's done, it's dusted. You're, uh, what, what you don't want is all this money because, as you see, you you end up with no draft picks, you end up not being able to sign free agents, you end up, you know, it's you're like, what are, are you supposed to do when you can't you can't sign big name free agents because you don't have the money to do it, and you can't draft anyone because you don't have any picks. Like no team and should fans ever- understand it. I mean. I was going to say, if fans understand it, I mean, this year we all expected the Arizona Cardinals to to get dog walked every week. They won five games, and it's like, wow, well, you know, well done, the Cardinals, the Rams at the start of the year. Oh, they're going to be fourth, you know, third if they're lucky in the in the NFC um, West. You know, they were in the playoffs. I mean, fans, if you are honest with them and just say, listen, like you say, we're, we're going to kind of just take on the chin this year. Anything that comes from it, you know, we'll we'll, we'll still. I'm not saying you know down your tools and give up, but we're still going to give our best. And coaches are going to coach up the players, and you know if anything good comes from it, happy days. If nothing does, you know it's it's you know part of a process. The, the fans can accept that, and I, I believe that that you know if you were honest with your fans, that would go down a lot better than keep on pretending that we're a com- we're a competitor. Yeah, and the thing is that you should be in one of the positions. You should either be in the position to be able to draft a whole bunch of players or in the position to sign big name free agents. When you well, can't I, I, do either, that's, you know, what are you supposed to do? Sorry, Dave, on you go. I, uh, no, I was just going to ask Jake, um, what do you think the situation with Derek Carr is going to be? Are they, they're going to, they're most likely going to stick with him, but what would you do? I, I think we're, because of the contract, we should stick with him. And because of how he ended the year, uh, he's the, not exactly the top of my, my problems at the moment. Uh, if we got a new coaching, um, you know, he's going to be there because of the contract. See what happens after this year. You know, we can move on. But what's going to happen is we're just becoming the Oakland now Las Vegas Raiders. We've got Dennis Allen, who is the Raiders head coach. We've got Derek Carr. We fight everyone on the offense, and everyone's putting, oh, "Who are we going to get? We're going to get Cliff Kingsbury. We're going to get Eric Bieniemy. Who are we going to get?" It's going to be John Gruden. I, I'd, I'd put seriously good money on it being John Gruden if the Saints can somehow, you know, get past the fact that he's a racist piece of crap. Um, if the Saints can get past it uh, and the NFL allow it, John Gruden will be our offensive coordinator. And it's just like, what if you're going to shape yourself after someone, you know, you see people kind of copy what the Rams are going to do or copy what the Chiefs do. It makes sense. And there'll be teams that, oh, Miami Dolphins offense, I'm going to copy that. I'm, this defense, I'm going to copy that. Why are we copying the Raiders? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're not exactly the most stable Sorry, franchise. Christian. What are we doing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, we, uh, 
Sorry. I saw it. Sorry, Neil. I was just going to ask. Obviously, James Winston out of contract this year, and after his comments, what is going to happen to him? Because I, I don't. I mean, I mean, obviously, with with the head coach still being there, he's he cannot resign. You cannot expect to, uh, there to be negotiations for Jameis. So, um, I mean, there's quite there's a few good backup quarterbacks that are going to be available, but. Um, Jameis should still be there, in my opinion. Dennis Allen should not. I think the majority of Saints fans would agree. But, so, Absolutely. Who's, who, who's next, though? Who who would be the, the new kind of quarterback that would slot into uh, a similar role like Derek Carr? The Saints are one of the few teams in the NFL who do not need to sign a quarterback. Now, you could argue that they would want to sign someone because of, of Derek Carr's maybe not the guy in some of the fans' eyes, but they don't need a quarterback. They've got Jameis Winston, who is a good quarterback. And, you know, David, Derek, I keep saying David Carr. Derek Carr can still play, right? He's mm-hmm. not a bad quarterback. He's just maybe not the guy. I know Christian would totally disagree with me on that one. He hates Derek Carr. But if I'm the owner of the Saints or, or the GM of the Saints or whoever, I'm like, give her the coach. That, I would, I would, if I was the the guy in the, in New Orleans, I'd be taking James Winston, the backup quarterback, over my coach. Absolutely would, because I think James Winston is worth more to the organization than your coaches. I I didn't know much about Dennis Allen. I'm going to be honest, didn't know a lot until we started. Uh, you know, we're doing this podcast and Jake was talking about Dennis Allen over the past however long it's been. And, you know, then I started paying closer attention to what the Saints are doing. And I'm going, it's absolutely right. This guy hasn't got a clue. Now, usually when a coach hasn't got a clue, they're out. You're gone. You don't even make it through the year. Nathaniel Hackett was garbage. Everyone saw it. He got thrown out. Brandon Staley, I don't know how he lasted as long as he did, over at Sandy. Los Angeles mm-hmm. Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers, <laughs> but you know, eventually they saw that this. This is the problem. It's the coach who's the problem. Now, I don't. I, I've always maintained, and I know I was screaming for the head of Nathaniel Hackett last year. That was it. Yeah, but week one, you were you were screaming in week one. Well, I was hat. because he did the most stupid decisions of all time. I mean, let's, for for any listeners who weren't with us at week one last year, for anyone who doesn't remember, hasn't listened to the episode of the week one review from the 2022 season, go back and listen to it. Listen to what I say. Watch the highlights. If you, you'll find them on YouTube, the week one, and you'll know that I'm right and he should have been fired after week one, after one week. Because of his utter, utter incompetence in that game. And then the following week was did something even more stupid. And so, yeah. I, I, but I've always maintained, apart from Nathaniel Hackett, you need to give coaches time. And I always get that. So I understand the, I understand where Loomis is coming from, but he's dead wrong. He's dead wrong. Because everyone can see this is not a case of... The coach, it's a bad team. It's not like the Saints don't have any good players. They are loaded with good players. There's loads and loads of good players on the Saints team 
offense and defense. It's just really well, terrible coaching that's holding we them do back. Have, we do have some breaking news, though, in that oh. Saints have requested to interview Rams quarterback coach and pass game coordinator Zach Robinson for the offensive coordinator role. Um, How do you feel about that, Jake? Yeah. Um, I'm happy if it's not John Gruden. Anyone but John Gruden, please. I'm begging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm with, the, I'm with I mean, the, yeah, uh, the, I mean, the other, I think uh, they, they requested Dan Pitcher as well. I, yeah. I'll never change teams. I'll never stop being a Saints fan. They're, they're on my team. I've chosen the Saints. They, I am a Saints fan. But if it's John Gruden next year with, with Dennis Allen, uh, I, I will not be following the Saints next year. I, I will just watch the Texans. I will root for the, the Rams and the Broncos. I, I will not be putting myself through this. And I think I can speak for a lot of Saints Twitter. Um, we will not be paying attention to the Saints. No, I, 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 I don't blame you for that. Um, I was watching a thing. We're talking about the, um, the, the Broncos. What are they doing with Russell Wilson? Um, I don't know. There's still no decision been made on what's happening with Russell Wilson. I think they'll hang on to him purely because they're, they're paying him so much money. His, his, um, the Broncos technically don't start paying Russell Wilson until next year of his because his extension doesn't <sighs> kick in until mm. next year. So we, we've, we've been paying him from his old contract up to this point. I, I, I still think the best thing for the Broncos would be to trade him to the Vikings for Kirk Cousins. Because um, okay, that contract is so you can't really trade someone that time. I, 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 think he's, I think he might send a two-year. I, 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 I'll, I, I'll, I'll swap so. him for uh, Jameis. Jameis Winston. Well, Jameis is our contract, so there you go. you got, yeah. I would love to see Justin Fields play for the Broncos just to see. Because if it goes great, fantastic. If it goes bad, you also will have an aneurysm. Justin <laughs> Fields was the guy who I wanted the Broncos to draft. Yes, right. absolutely. And we took um, Sertan. And I was like, what are you doing? What are you yep. doing? And I thought, yeah, well, you know, Sertan. Worked out pretty well. Speaking of quarterbacks, gentlemen, um, I know we're still in the postseason, but uh, I've been doing some uh, research, uh, a.k.a. watching YouTube videos of oh, yeah. uh, the upcoming draft. Uh, I said, not, not, not the actual draft. Sorry? What all good scouts do. What all good scouts do. Yeah, YouTube. Um, and I've been watching some, some videos of some of these guys coming out of college because I don't watch college football and I don't get the chance to watch college football. So uh, all I do is like watch the occasional YouTube video, but I haven't watched some highlights. And <laughs> Tim said something uh, last week, I think it was. And he said, have you been watching this Penix? And I was like, mm -hmm. no. And he says, you know, it's like, what his highlights, they don't look real. And I'm going, what's he talking about? So I watched some highlights. That's all oh my word. This guy can throw. It's, it's, I, I haven't seen anything like this in a long time. When the ball leaves his hand, it must be traveling like a hundred miles an hour. It's unbelievable. That does not equate to a good NFL quarterback. Just saying. But um, I'm looking at some of these quarterbacks coming out of college and there are some really, really good ones coming out of college. I know the general consensus is still Caleb Williams. General consensus, but there's three or four uh, quarterbacks coming out here who I think um, I absolutely think the Bronx should try draft one of them if they're still available at where are we picking twelve? 
if we draft a quarterback, just, you know, just ditch Russell Wilson. Eat, eat the money. Eat the dead money. Just do it. Create away Jenny mm. Judy. To do it. That's what I see. <laughs> there's, there's, do you know, there's actually growing consensus in the Rams fan base of, because we've we've got the first, our first round pick this year for the first time since, I don't know, I don't know if Jake was even born. Oh, wait, we had Sam Bradford and Jared Goff. But anyway, that's uh, that's by the by. Um, but there's some Rams consensus that they want uh, with the 19th pick uh, to select J.J. McCarthy, which is a quarterback, which I don't really like because I think Stafford has a good few years left in him. Yeah, I don't want him to do a uh, Packers Jordan Love. Obviously, it's worked out a little bit quite well right now. I know. Imagine, I, imagine having a quarterback <laughs> letting him six, sit for three years. That's never worked. No, no. But I, I mean, I, it's it's every time the Rams have drafted a quarterback in the first round for years and years and years, it's not worked out very well. Jagoff initially worked out pretty well, but. Uh, Obviously, we we swapped him for Stafford, which, let's be honest, both teams won that trade. We've got a Super Bowl. Lions got an arsenal of young players that are now coming good. Um, but like the last one before Jaragoff was probably what Sam Bradford, and we don't want to talk about him at all. Okay, um, right. So, gentlemen, that that pretty much wraps up our show. Uh, but before yeah. we go, uh, you know, just be, purely because we're talking about it uh, for no other reason, uh, Dave, I'll start with you. This offseason, this upcoming draft, just talk about them getting a the quarterback. What do you want for your Los Angeles Rams? Do you want uh, them to draft a quarterback? You see, you're saying you don't. What would you like for the Rams? Uh, either a top quarterback or a top center. Because uh, I think that's a, a center that is able to recognize the blitz better than what we've got. But I think we are uh, we are relying heavily on Raheem Morris uh, as our defense coordinator. So um, I think we need some help. We need we uh, and plus our CB one is out of contract uh, this year in Akilah Witherspoon. So I think a cornerback would be my preference. Uh, Jake, same question to you. You New Orleans Saints are on the clock. What do you want them to do? Number 14, it completely depends. I mean, the Saints never seem to sit. We'll, we'll probably either move back or forward. We, we don't like picking where we're told. I, I would like an offensive tackle. I, I would not, you know, like I say, I think we're going to stick with Derek Carr no matter what this year due to contract. So, you know, if uh, Phoenix or Daniels are still there, because I think Drake May and Caleb Williams will be long gone, mm. if either of those two are there, I would not mind getting them and, and sitting them for a year or half a year. You know, I, I'm very much looking forward to getting into the draft after the, the the season yes me too um i i i would like the court the bronx to draft a quarterback i don't think they will <laughs> i think they should mm. but i don't think they will um but anyway gentlemen it's divisional round divisional rounds coming up we've then got the uh, this this is our quarterfinals for for uh, british listeners quarterfinals the next week We've got the semis, and then is there a week break this year? Is there a Usually, gap? yeah, there is. Is that when the Pro Bowls on? Uh, Pro Bowl. Yeah, it'll be the Pro Bowls and the honors. Um, and then, of course, we have the Super Bowl. So we're looking forward to that. But we're into the quarterfinals. Still, all to play for. Lots of good games coming up. Um, looking forward to it, Dave. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, uh, Jake. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, and I hope I'm wrong with my Ravens. 
<laughs> yes. Well, I hope I'm right with my Texans one. Um, thank you for everyone for listening. Uh, don't forget you can catch us on Twitter X at the WinFL Show. You can also find myself. You can find Dave. And you can find Jake. Um, and we will see you on next week's edition. Next week. Oh, I've spent way too long oh, on this no. island. Oh, oh my word! Try you that. Can't exactly again. get off because there's so so, so much snow. Oh, I know. Good <laughs> grief! We snowed in. Uh, on next week's edition of the WinFL Show.